right, what up, what up? Episode 125 of the Stiff Shots Podcast. Hey, haven't talked to you guys since last year. Am I right? 2020 for the second time. And we are <laughs> plowing through it. I mean, we're just... The Chinese New Year hasn't even said... Can you believe these sheeple... Okay. <laughs> that actually believe in the solar calendar come on give me a break wake up the lunar calendar is the only real calendar so i'll be telling you happy new year again in about a month in february but my name is ryan rainbow and with me as always is rick Jimenez. rick how are you luminescing luminestry yo i have a splitting headache for over 12 hours because the big seller t-shirt, my band, the like bleached tie-dye guys. But you can't just go to um, merchandising company and say, hey, we want this shirt on a bleached thing. You got to get it printed and then you got to bleach it yourself. So I just live in an apartment. Lots of bleach in my nose and eyes. Headache over 12 hours. Like 100 shirts last night, Alyssa and I did. You don't bleach from outside? It's too cold, and we're on the second floor, and we're in an apartment complex, so, you know, we did it in the bathroom. You're just huffing bleach in your house? Yeah, this for is, hours. This is like the movie Spun. So I'm 41. Danter is 40 plus one. He's, he's older than I am. We're just having a conversation about um, a specific over-exaggerating, uh, over-dramatic referee on television and that quickly goes into this text message to midlife men legit text message more importantly was thinking about this the other day who's wealthier tony stark or bruce wayne <laughs> so instead of like immediately making jokes we have a legitimate conversation about this the uh and result and conclusion of the conversation isn't as interesting as the fact that this just took place over the past 15 minutes. A legit conversation out of nowhere between two grown men about who is wealthier. A fictional character from the 30s or a fictional character from the 60s. Aren't uh, the dollars in Gotham like sand dollars? Sand dollars? Yeah, don't they use sand dollars for money? Or starfish? Um... No, no, no. I think they use rubles in Gotham and uh, in Tony Stark. Um, well, Stark has all his money wrapped up in NFTs, so that's not even... <laughs> Dude, in all actuality, who's more likely to make a rap beat on GarageBand and sell it for $10,000? Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne? I say Tony Stark. Tony Stark is also willing to give all 11,000 of that $10,000 to yoga instructors. <laughs> and that's our show. See you next week. Well, speaking of uh, overdramatic referees, I got to talk to you about this. I don't know if you've seen that Marco Stunt, the reason why he hasn't been on AEW television isn't just because nobody wants him. <laughs> It's because he is seriously trying to be a contestant on the te a different television show called The Voice. Are you familiar <laughs> with The Voice? 
Now, should we rank the America's Funniest Home Videos hosts? Because you got Bob Saget. You got uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. You got Tom Bergeron. I feel like he was the host for way longer than Saget was, but maybe it was just because it was a deeper part of my life. Tom Bergeron. He's What is he from aside from that? Is he just regular? He hosted Hollywood Squares also. Remember that revival? I really enjoyed the 80s, 90s Hollywood Squares. I don't really remember the reboot so much. This was in the 90s because Bruce Valanche was on every episode. I feel like maybe he was the center square all the time. And uh, really just a crazy concept for a show, right? Like, hey, let's build a set that's a giant tic-tac-toe board. Mm -hmm. Nobody will be able to see each other, but they'll kind of be aware of each other's presence around it. Um, Your goal is to maybe bluff the contestant, but also maybe you're just stupid because you don't know these simple yes or no questions. What a what a fascinating time. That's what America was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were trying to get back to. Trying to get back to James J. Bullock having a career again. I remember Tom Bergeron. I just looked at a picture of him. Yeah. Okay. He looks like um he could be a uh lineless admiral from the Empire in Star Wars. And now Bob Saget, of course, he was a comic genius, you'll remember, because he was a nice dad on television. But then when he did comedy, he said uh, profanity so that he's the first to do it. Oh, yeah. And no one's done it since either. No. And nobody did it as good as him. So uh, when I was made aware of him dying, it was in a group chat. Tim Delaney just says, um, Danny Tanner died. (laughs) And I was just rushing to get in before anybody else. Um, And I got in with, oh, yeah, he died from embarrassment because his daughter, DJ Tanner, is such a a right-wing conservative cop lover. See, I thought he died two years ago when he revealed himself as an early elimination from The Masked Singer. I thought that he was just dead on arrival right there because I don't know if you've ever seen The Masked Singer, similar to The Voice, and maybe Marco Stunt will be able to get onto that show. But um, there's two reveals on that show. There's the reveal of somebody takes their their helmet off and it's like, oh, it's a person, not a monster. And then the second (laughs) reveal is when you Google who that person is because you have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually like um, a Mick Carter from Kaiju Big Battle. (laughs) Battle Bots hosted by Chris Uh, Jericho. Oh, yeah. Beetleborgs. Actually, he didn't do Battle Bots. He did some other robot fighting show. But Battle Bots was on Comedy Central, but it's still on TV now. Uh, And I don't know if it's on the History Channel, but I do want to bring up that on the History Channel, I've been watching a lot of it lately because there's that Skinwalker Ranch show. So if you watch any show on the History Channel, basically this is the premise of the show. Hey, we're we're looking for something. We didn't find it. Oh uh, yeah, that that is my experience. Also, it's it's way less experience. I don't watch Skinwalker, and I don't or anything consistently. My only other experience with the History Channel is that one dude and the meme of him answering the question with aliens. Okay, well yeah. So after Skinwalker Ranch ended, they started playing this show that was about the search for like the 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 premise was that this old treasure hunter <laughs> found a U boat. And he claimed that in the U-boat was Hitler's corpse. That Hitler... <laughs> His waterlogged corpse. 
Yes. So the premise of this show that's, you know, it doesn't I don't want you to think it's like a one hour special. This is like a 10 hour, you know, two season TV show. They're like, we're looking for Hitler's corpse. We didn't find it like that's So the Skinwalker Ranch is we're looking for proof of aliens. And here's the thing about the Skinwalker Ranch show that's crazy is so in like episode like two, they're like, hey, underneath this homestead on Skinwalker Ranch, there's this football field size gigantic craft under the ground and we're gonna dig it up and then they just never do it <laughs> if you find hitler's corpse who cares <laughs> what, what are you gonna do with that it doesn't matter if i get <laughs> be excited that he's still dead well maybe he's got george carlin jokes in his front pocket or something <laughs> you can <laughs> so speaking of Things that have been found, though. Brock Lesnar found himself to be the WWE champion on day one. And I feel like you were upset about this, about the the end result of the show. So just a little bit of background. Originally, there were going to be two matches on WWE's day one on New Year's Day. It was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And then it was Big E, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, and... Uh, Kevin Owens in a four-way for the WWE Championship. The day of the show, Roman Reigns is COVID positive, and he's also autoimmune uh, deficient or whatever. He's you know he's at, at risk of being sicker than most with COVID. So their match, Brock and Roman, are, is is thrown out, and they just throw Brock into the four-way and make it a five-way, and then he wins. So before we talk about that match, what do you think about the show overall? Well, you know, uh, it wasn't um, it wasn't as special as I think I wanted it to be, which um, might be silly. But, you know, they got this brand new show. They're like, oh, we're going to make this an annual tradition. We got this musical guest that's going to be the the uh, special guest there. We got all this stuff. We're in Atlanta. And then it just kind of felt like one of their regular pay-per-views and nothing on it was super bad. Uh, nothing on it was Michael Sarah or Jonah Hill or even Emma Stone. But, uh, you know, in the, the opening match was cool. And I thought the main event, this, you know, this uh, banger of an eight minute five way match was really good. But overall, it just kind of felt like. An opportunity to kind of kickstart things and be like, hey, I know that we've been kind of boring for a while. We're going to kickstart it with this show and a missed opportunity at that. I can't really disagree fully. Um I think it was a good show. I enjoyed the show. Um, But I do agree that it should have been even better. Instead of, we're going to give you more of the same, but we're going to do it well today, as opposed to doing it, you know, at best kind of, you know, boring-ish, easy to watch passively. Um, I was engaged. But the main event, the reason why I don't, well, there are a lot of reasons why I don't like it. I think the main reason without rambling, it's just, it's more of the same. I was very much looking forward to the Reigns-Lesnar match. But hey, you, you got to pivot. Um, I wanted to see most of these four guys in the four-way go at it. But the combination of the two, I get it. Hey, we, we have to figure out something. They That's the direction that it went. But not only Big E, who I don't think really got a chance to get his real run in as the top guy, 
his entire time as champion, he was losing matches constantly, never losing the title, but losing matches just was not made to feel like a main, um, a, even a main guy. Uh, but then again, oh, here's Lesnar. Oh, Lesnar's going to win, which makes sense because Lesnar wins. You know, he he goes to the supermarket and he wins. He goes to the uh, Sable store and he wins. The only thing he hasn't beat is his first time against Frank Mir and um, Coors Light wins sponsor. But him starting off the year, which, like you said, hey, let's start off with a bang. Let's get some momentum again. Uh, Brock Lesnar's champion again. And not only is he champion again, but um, Big E is, you know, not even second fiddle. Big E is like fourth fiddle to um, Lesnar, Reigns, and Lashley. And then at that point, like, well, is Big E even fourth fiddle when there's Rollins also? I don't think so. Um, so that whole thing bummed me out. And I actually, I didn't think the match was particularly interesting. You know, um, and maybe because I was just went into it kind of, uh, eh, five guys and no burgers or fries, but Lesnar is going to come out champion. Um, and the show went off the air the same way a million shows have gone off the air in the past uh, 12 years. Uh, Lesnar is celebrating in the ring alone and there's Heyman, you know, bouncing around like the blue penguin. And um, all right, see you tomorrow. I wanted to be so psyched to watch Raw. With, um, I don't even think the show was on a Sunday. It might have been a Saturday. I want to be excited to watch Raw after a pay-per-view. And again, I was like, nah, I'll get to it when I get to it. So that was my main takeaway. I wasn't like, oh, this is so stupid. They suck and they live. Um, put those glasses on. It's all fake. Um, but I wanted to, I, you know, four minutes in. I agree with that point with you. I wanted to be super excited and reinvigorated, especially because the Royal Rumble is coming up and I, I'm forcing myself to be excited about the Royal Rumble. Um, but I wanted this to make me feel like, oh, why have you been like lackadaisical towards um, my enthusiasm to WWE the past couple of months? But it was like, ah, hmm, this is why. Yeah, that all makes sense. I mean, for me, it was real. For me, it was more realistic with, uh, I guess when Lesnar got added in, I was like, well, you know, in reality to me, if Lesnar got added into a fight with these four guys, he would win. Yeah. And I, I like that the match was fast paced and, uh, and quick. I mean, but there was high energy the whole time. There was no point where, you know, just two guys laying outside, like normally that would happen in a multiple, you know, a five man match already is too many if it's not an elimination. So, you know, I, I, I liked that aspect of it. It was a little bit unexpected. Um, Big E, I definitely agree with the whole title reign. But, you know, even when he won it, he won it with what, money in the bank. But he's supposed to be a baby face. So kind of a weird title reign overall and certainly forgettable. But the silver lining there is that I think the best promos he's done in the past year and a half is the one he did at day one and the one he did the next Raw where he was like, you know, nobody's going to stop me from getting my championship back. And even mm -hmm. on day one, you know, he sounded like he was ready to, he was like, I don't care if there's three guys, four guys. Like, it's the first time he, instead of just doing, you know, hip gyrations and throwing out pancakes, he was like, oh, I'm actually, you know, I care about being the champion and I'm not going to let it slip away. So maybe they get to build off of that and maybe he gets motivated through that. But um, but overall, you know, I can't disagree with, uh, with what you said too much. I do like that it leads us to, Finally, we get Lesnar Lashley, which, uh, you know, is the whole reason Lashley was brought back a couple of years ago. So now we can see that match. And I love Bob and love Brock. And uh, 
and you know, hopefully MVP gets hurt as well. So, <laughs> so what do you think if you had to just infer from this point who wins the Royal Rumble, who challenges who for the title at WrestleMania? I guess on both sides. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough to say. I mean, I'm always excited about the Rumble, and this is no different. Uh, they released the uh, ad mat for the Women's Rumble, which I thought was weird, just because it has all these people you would think they would want to be surprises for that. But I guess they're like, no, we need to let people know, like, Nikki Bella's coming back. So if you are thinking about not signing up for Peacock, now you know to do it. And now they're hyping up that they're going to have somebody who's signed to another company be in the Men's Rumble. So, uh, you know, that, I mean, that could be anybody, right? So to answer your question, I still think that, you know, Mania ends up being Lesnar-Reigns because that's still a big match, but I don't know if it's for both titles. Lesnar and Lashley and then Rollins and Reigns coming up at the Rumble. I can't imagine Reigns ever loses in his life, much less to Rollins, but I can see Lesnar losing to Lashley. So, But I don't know if those people will all even be in the Rumble because they have these singles matches. So to answer your question, I don't know. (laughs) I don't have any answer. Part of me wants to see champion uh, champion Lashley defending against challenger Big E that I buy into from what you referenced, that promo, and not, oh, we really like Big E and New Day. But now it's New Day Biggie singles, and he's a champion. Because I, I love Biggie. I always talk about whatever. Now that he lost the title, I'm questioning what I thought of that entire run. And it's like, well, that was just New Day Biggie as champion, and it didn't really work. And I liked it because of what I wanted it to be, and it wasn't really that. And maybe he needed to lose and be this uh, more serious on his own, just different women's Royal Rumble. Not a big deal on TV, big deal on the internet. Mickey James back with the company, even if it's only for this one match and she's the impact thing. Uh, lots of negative. I can't believe she's going back on her word after she said, WWE so stupid, trash bag in the mail, I'm so mad. Or, hey, so great, WWE acknowledging uh, impact knockout champion Mickey James. Um, bring her back into the fold just for the one match and, you know, the forbidden door. I'm sick of that forbidden door BS. Enough. That nothing is forbidden except for the band. And um, nobody gives a crap that's manufactured and not interesting anymore, this forbidden door. Every company's doing crossover. I think it's great. I think it's so cool that um, AEW did it with Impact, although it did nothing to help Impact as much as, you know, we all wanted to. Um, does WWE help it at all by just mentioning it uh possibly probably not but at all let's be totally honest has more potential i think mickey james impact knockouts champion being part of the royal rumble has more potential to bring eyes to impact than the whole entire AEW crossover um i'm looking forward to that just because i think that that is uh, pretty cool and the women's royal rumble is still something new uh charlotte the champion being in the royal rumble yeah, you know, could be interesting. See what happens. Does Mickey wear the belt to the Royal Rumble? She better wear that belt. I'll be pissed if she doesn't. Um, do you think Michelle McCool comes out with the Divas Championship? <laughs> Just bring out all the titles. <laughs> Yeah, the Forbidden Door, just that phrase is like, 
you know, they did it in that one uh, video game promo with Kenny Omega. And then ever since then, it's like, well, I mean, how many times can you open this door before it's just like a door, you know, <laughs> it's not even a door. It's, <laughs> you took the door off the hinges. We're walking through it. Speaking of forbidden doors, though, I did watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year, which I was really excited about. Two nights. They have a big thing going on where all Japan uh, has and or I'm sorry, Pro Wrestling Noah has invaded uh, New Japan. Yeah, it's a forbidden door. The they, the door. Well, they don't have doors. They just have those like pieces of rice paper or whatever between them. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was so. I guess they didn't encourage or they discouraged the audience from being vocal because then they're gonna spit all over each other and get COVID and die. Um, so it was a very quiet event. And uh, there was a U.S. championship match that was Kenta versus uh, Tanahashi that looked like it was out of, like, 90s ECW. And I'm sure some people think that that's cool, but it was very, like, weird for me to see, like, in a New Japan ring, like, ladders and tables and yeah. uh, chairs and things like that. And the ladder was, I don't know if you saw it, the ladder was comically tall, like, a, <laughs> like just a 50-foot ladder, and <laughs> he's jumping off of it. But, uh... You know, and then the end result is that Okada was the champion, and he's got that Cody Rhodes belt, and Naito is the first challenger. And I've been seeing Okada Naito for longer than I saw Orton Cena, so I'm a little, uh, little disen disenfranchised. That's not the right word. Disenchanted. I'm a little. I'm not enchanted starring Amy Adams or Isla Fisher, but I am uh, just kind of a little bummed that I, you know, I kind of went away from New Japan for a while, and I came back, and it's exactly where it was. When I left it, and I was hoping it would be uh, farther along. And I had the same feeling, like, ah, oh, so it's kind of the same, but they have that Divas Championship title again. And I was like, oh, come on, they had a perfect chance to not use that again. And um, they're still going with it. It's so weird how a little optic like that kind of influences my enthusiasm towards the show and the promotion. I feel like they're better than that. And I want them to be um, moving into the future in a linear direction, but also um, in a way keep the, I don't want to say heritage, but their foothold in, I don't want to say tradition because that sounds so boring and old guy, but I, I want a wrestling title to look like a wrestling title that grown men and grown women want to fight for. And for, you know, New Japan, just grown men. I wouldn't fight for that belt unless I could, you know, immediately sell it like I like to do with a lot of things that I have. Get it to immediately sell it like an Apple Watch um, or a samurai sword that I won at a raffle at a show in New Jersey. With day one, I wanted to be excited to watch WWE. With Wrestle Kingdom, I figured I would be, I'd watch it and then be excited to get back on with New Japan. And uh, none of that happened. So I was there's a you know I listen to a couple other podcasts when I drive the uh, Amazon van, and this is something that I've noticed not just in podcasting overall or conversations, but um, why is everybody so afraid? Everyone is afraid of everything. Like making a joke like that. Oh, rice paper because we're referencing not a wooden door like in America. You know, there's the, the sheets. We all go to sushi restaurants or whatever. It's so obviously a joke. 
People are so afraid, and I'm not going to get that. You can't say anything anymore. I'm not saying that. You could say many things. You could still make jokes, and people know it's a joke. But this is what I realized, you know, as I went over when we were talking about our best albums of uh, 2021. Uh, this is the first year in a while I've kind of been a bit more involved, at least on the periphery in hardcore, than I had been in, like, my metal bubble. There is no sect, in my opinion, of people that are so afraid to say and do certain things than in hardcore. And I don't mean this like to say things that are controversial or, or like uh, bad or, you know, oh, something like overtly crappy. Just the, um, if I say this or do this, even if it's something totally cool, something I want to do, something I believe in, Somebody may think I mean this or take this to not be as cool because it's like showing a um, an enthusiasm or fandom. Just that overly concerned opinion of what somebody else is thinking about what you may or may not do all the time. That I cannot believe is still a thing in 2022, especially like specifically hardcore. It is grown men pretending like they are kids. So like, yo, we're all in the same boat. You're allowed to be a fan of something. You're allowed to say something that everybody understands the context of a comment or a joke. And you don't have to like be so worried and scared that someone's gonna think you mean this out of the other thing. You're all on the same page. You all get it. And anybody else who might be like, oh, I don't know, that's a little questionable because of this, that, or the other thing, even though nobody is saying anything of that nature because we're all in the same bubble. Everybody knows, you know, there's a huge line between like being misogynist and not being racist or not being problematic and not. We all get it. Or even somebody being so afraid of like showing their fandom of something. Dude, that shit is so corny and listening to people like either have a conversation that i'm either a part of or right next to in real life or uh, a group chat or listening to other people on a podcast and say everything so walking on eggshells when all you're trying to say is something like yo this that dude might be cool but this band sucks or you know, I wouldn't have made that joke, but you know, that's a good joke. And there's no reason why someone should have to say that apologetically. Why are you so scared? You know, and I'm, I, we, anybody who's listening to a show has listened to us for 125 episodes now. They know exactly where we're coming from. Um, we're not trying to dance around making some like weird off color joke. You just make a joke and you know, it's a joke. It's funny. Um, you're allowed to say, Oh, I went to, okay, so I went to see uh, American Nightmare the other day. One of my favorite, not just hardcore bands, one of my favorite bands. I have an American Nightmare tattoo. People were... That's not a Cody Rhodes tattoo? That's a band? No, no, no. Cody Rhodes really likes American Nightmare also. Oh, okay. People were so scared at that show. And not scared like, oh, remember when hardcore shows were scary? No, nobody at that show remembers that because all they remembered is, um, <laughs> is you know, um, 
going to shows in uh, that are metalcore in 2005 and then you know somehow being like oh well american nightmare was just about to be uh just about broken up for two years and i didn't like them then because they were hardcore but now they're on the periphery of metalcore as far as fandom goes it's not like people weren't enthused i would expect people not to be enthused because everybody was in their 40s but dude everybody is so aware overly aware of where they're standing and uh, who might be observing them. As if anybody cares about anybody else to make a judgment about them. There's just so much fear. And I could not imagine being involved in music, which I am, and being constantly afraid of how I'm being perceived. Especially if you're um, involved in the making music aspect, we're like, yo, let your enthusiasm show. That's the that's the whole point. My giant tirade here is if you're going to uh, a metal show, a punk show, or a hardcore show, or you're performing at one of those shows, the whole point is getting that outlet and just letting it go. And if you're doing that under some sort of, oh, but I don't want people to think this, like I'm too afraid of that. I don't want people to think like I'm excited about anything because they might you know, judge me in one way or another. That is so high school and kind of like um, Claire in The Breakfast Club when uh, the dork is like, are we going to be friends after we get out of detention? And she's like, I don't think so, because she's so scared of what her friends are going to think. How in the world in 2022, where the whole world is based on oversharing, are you going to be afraid of that type of thing? And then, you know, when I relate that to people I know in hardcore specifically, and I know this sounds like I'm ragging on these people, and I guess in a way I am. It's more of a critique than a rag. But if it comes across like a rag, I don't, I don't care. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine just being so afraid of what people are going to think all the time. Oh, I can't, you know, I don't want to wear this shirt because somebody might think like this, that, the other thing. Shit's corny. Let's get over that, man. It's so garbage. Bye.